Welcome to Demond Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demond, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demondcast. Thank you once again for joining us, whether it's your first time or this time for the six questions. And if you like the show, tell the world. Jump on your podcast app and leave a five-star review and tell your friends. That's the best way to help us grow the show and more can join the conversation. My next guest is a writer, podcaster, and a quote, few other things. He has the unenviable task of shouldering the unbearable weight of Nicolas Cage and is the co-host of the Don't Man's Dawn podcast, among many others. Please make some noise for Luke Kerr. How are you doing? Good. I feel like that's not a good wrestling entrance if I were to come in. Like, I can't just do a little shuffle with my hands. I have no rhythm for that. I have no grace for that. But you know, I'm doing well. I am doing well. There's a place for all kinds in wrestling. So don't cut you. Don't sell yourself short, sir. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see someone as awkward as I am. That's fair. First of all, congratulations on your impending nuptials. Oh, thank you very much. I am looking forward to it if for no other reason than i no longer need to save for a wedding planning and for me it's pretty much just like planning a big role-playing game campaign in a lot of ways except i have another person also making choices where did you get the idea for the don't man's don podcast where did that come from i've been wrapping up a lot of the podcasts that i've been doing recently like i used to do some other comics podcasts and some other RPG podcasts. And I think I was just having a really weird thought about like early 2000s fan art where they would just mash up everything. And it was like, okay, so these kids are really excited for this new series, but also they only know how to draw on this one art style. And so of course you're ending up with like, naruto and uh the simpsons or you usually it was a lot of manga characters drawn in another style and i just started thinking about how one piece has been running for 25 years now and the simpsons has been running for longer than that 33 no 33 years now i believe 34 counting the tracy woman stuff and it was just like what if we started a fan cast podcast for it and i needed to find the perfect co-host which i found in my co-host janine because we have very similar energy she is unfamiliar with one piece and we're also kind of just like we tapped out from the simpsons at least when we had started the podcast around the same time and so it's just kind of like the Simpsons claims to have a cast of thousands dubious. One Piece actually has a cast of thousands. So we're just going for it. Where would you like to be found on the internet? You can find a lot of what I do under my online name, which is Coltreg, K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or at Luke Hare, 
L-U-K-E-H-E-R-R.com, though I really don't update my podcast, or I don't update my website that often, and uh, who knows how long Twitter will be open. That is fair. We're going to get a lot of mileage out of that, out of those jokes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's better than that than, like, I had made a reference in the episode of Domance Dawn that's going up next week about how we need to invest in the railroad infrastructure. And then it was like, oh, oh. That didn't age well. Cold shot. I'm not wrong, but. Ooh, that's a little early. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm in Ohio. I can make jokes. Yeah, you'd never know how things are going to go. Like the world is just throwing off a lot of strange chaos energy and you kind of just have to figure out how you can roll with it. Luke, are you ready to answer the six questions? Yes, I am. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to get into podcasting? The very first podcasts that I did were back when I was still in high school, and I'm 33 now, so that was some 15, 16 years or so ago, because uh, I had a laptop because I was doing a Bowtech school, and I had a bunch of online friends, and it was like, oh, what if we tried to just, like, interview people about, like, comics and stuff, because all of us were making comics at the time, and we got like Casey Green on an episode but none of us actually knew how to edit or do sound balance or anything and so I think we tossed them up somewhere and they never really got distributed and then after college I got stuck living in the middle of nowhere and was kind of like oh what if I tried to do a a comics project and it's like well my art's not that good. I don't have the attention to do it. What if I tried to, like, convert this script into an audio podcast? And there I actually did some editing and released, like, six episodes of a podcast called Satellite Hope. Or no, Radio Hope and the Reader. And I had no idea how to syndicate then. And it was just like, oh, well, this is not getting picked up, so I'll I'll stop it. Also... I'm getting depressed with what I'm writing here. Finally, I ended up moving to Columbus, which is where I've been living since, and I reconnected with my friend Devin, and uh, I had been doing, like, some Marvel superhero RPG stuff uh, revolving around uh, Exiles, which is sort of a quantum leapy superhero team initially, where it's different heroes from different universes going world-to-world fixing things. And somehow that led Devin and I to being like, hey, we should just do a podcast covering alternate universes and comic books. And that became Multiversal Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse, now in podcast form. And that happened before anybody really cared about the multiverse. Like, now my dad knows about what the multiverse is. Before... (laughs) Like, I tried to explain it to him, and he's like, no, this is all bad. Now my dad's, like, in his late 60s, and he's a big Rick and Morty guy, and it's like, okay, Dad, 
but now you understand about the multiverses. Now you care about them. I'm sick of them. Yeah, that's my long, circuitous way of explaining. How many podcasts are you, do you have going at the moment? Currently? So right now I have Domance Dawn, which updates every other week. I have RPG Pals Club, and we have two more episodes of that before we end with our 100th episode, which I believe will be on the 15th of next month. Our final episode goes up. I have a irregular series that I do called Established Property Playhouse, which is another actual play podcast. And there I kind of wait for enough people to like get a season recorded and I spend a bit more time editing it. And I think those are the only ones I have going now, partially because I made a promise to not start any new projects until after the wedding. My fiance Abby is very supportive of me and is very flexible. We also like did two podcasts together that mm -hmm. are like some of the only podcasts that I ended just because it was like, oh, I'm the only person who's kind of kind of trying to get these done. You know what? Let's not push it. Let's end it cuz we started off doing a podcast called John Wiki. Mhm. Mm where we went through a specific iteration of the John Wick Wikipedia page. And then whenever we got to a link to another Wikipedia page, we read and discussed the topic of that Wikipedia page. That's a really cool idea. The other part of the premise was Abby had never seen John Wick. So she's reading these blind and has no idea what's happening. Yeah, we had a lot of episodes on, I think it was like, neo-noir and then david leach and then we just started getting into actors gotcha that's really cool that's a really cool premise i still own johnwiki.com because fandom should give me a bunch of money if they want that url for their john wick wiki well done sir well done what is the biggest difference between playing with your friends just around the table versus knowing that people are going to be watching. I think the biggest thing is that you actually have a more reliable record of what has happened in the past. And like between editing and things, it's like, oh, I dropped a story hint here. I need to write that down because I definitely didn't write it in the moment. Like when I'm recording something for a podcast, I'm usually a lot more flexible and just like, I'll let it go. If I'm doing something for a group of friends where I don't necessarily have those notes, I'm usually a bit more meticulous and I need to take notes because otherwise the continuity is lost. Continuity is everything. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you had started out? I mean, if I had known how to actively publish podcasts either all the way back in high school or even uh when i was living out in the middle of nowhere i could have had one of the longest running podcasts like i could be coming up after those mcelroy brothers like learning how to distribute a podcast and how to host it is important learning how to find a good host is important because i've had to move hosts twice first one i was paying like six bucks a month and they had an episode cap 
It's like, yeah, if you want to post any more episodes after this point, you need to move from paying us $6 a month to $200 annually. And it's like, no, I, no. Then the second time I moved, it was just, oh, they're increasing their price again. And also I don't use half the stuff that they want to charge me more for. I've been with the same host uh, after that point for like seven years, six years, something like that. A long period of time. Question number three. What's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? There is a bakery that I fell in love with and they are actively closing this week. Like this weekend is their last weekend because their landlords decided to increase their rent 40%. And the owner was like, no, I'm out of here. I'm retiring. And they made an amazing ham and cheese scone. And I'm going to be heartbroken losing those because I just get a bunch for breakfast. And if there's anything that I have like that emotional connection to in terms of food, those have made my day for the past few months when I've gotten hooked on them. <laughs> How did you get hooked on them? Like, what? It's been there a while. So, how did how did why was this the time? In Columbus, we have a place called the North Market, and they split off and opened a new location called North Market Dublin, which is in like a more expensive area. And we were kind of avoiding it for so long until we kind of realized that oh, hey, we need to look for bakeries, and they have a gluten free bakery there, which my partner's. Uh, living very low gluten nowadays and I just looked and it was beautiful massive scone and we found out that if we went at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning generally nobody else is there and that's wonderful like that is what we were looking for and so that was kind of how we found out about them and that is going to be the third bakery that we have lost as a couple since the pandemic started. Which is rough. No! That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And pretty much all of them are, oh, the rent is going up, or we just don't want to have to get up at three in the morning anymore to bake bread. The three in the morning. Which mor is fair. <laughs> the 3 a.m. one I get. It's, yeah. it's the overcharging on the rent is really... Yeah. And one of them was also a florist, which makes it even worse, because it was like, oh, I used to be able to just go in and get you flowers and some bread. Uh... Question number four. What are you curious about? I'm fascinated by people's kind of beliefs on faith and religion and kind of expanding that out even to just kind of the very quiet superstitions that people have personally and kind of seeing how a lot of that flows together or crosses over or even in some cases directly opposes their small oh don't step on a crack opposes like oh well nothing should nothing bad should happen if i step on a crack because i believe in a greater power of some sort and kind of the way that these things work and the way that these kind of beliefs drive people. 
Interesting. Have you done any research on the subject? Not necessarily. I do. I feel like saying that I write on these sorts of things from time to time mm -hmm. falls apart because it's like, I didn't talk to anybody, but I had conversations in my head about these things because that, that just sounds very pretentious in a lot of ways. It's something that I'll dive into every once in a while or I'll see something on uh, the internet where it's just like Twitter's tossing an article kind of discussing some small religious sect or a cult or kind of just like the weird beliefs that people have developed over time because they either don't see the world as something larger that they are a part of or they kind of just see themselves as being at the center of the world and they are the only experience and kind of how you can get this sort of incredibly skewed perspective and that that kind of fascinates me but i haven't done any more formal studies on that that's very interesting and i, I this is going to sound like a really weird question but it keeps popping mm -hmm. in my head so i'm gonna ask You've already mentioned how it informed your writing. How does that inform your game mastering? So it's very easy to like toss in like, oh, I need a villain or I need someone to, uh, someone to fight, but kind of like using that as a way to make distinct choices or kind of to figure out what drives the people. Because I don't think I've necessarily done anything where faith is a yeah i don't think i've done anything necessarily where like faith or superstition is a direct drive that might be a good like quirk to add to someone it gets you thinking differently about what drives a person to do what they do if they believe that they are protected by some sort of higher power and nothing bad can come and uh, harm them i think they might react to a situation differently than on a very basic level someone who doesn't believe that and just believes that once you're dead you're dead and that person might fight a lot harder or fight differently or just run away if you're looking for ways to uh distinct or to make uh characters distinct that's a way to approach it question number five what should I ask you about that I didn't know enough to ask? I've got comic stuff that I'm working on. By all means. I got started doing comics back in high school. There was a guy, Jeremy, who every day would bring like two or three pages of a comic that he was writing. That was this massive continuous series called Random Axo. And I was like, oh... Okay, I'm probably not going to be as good as him, but I can start doing comics. And so that got me started as a, I've loved writing, this is a way to kind of express myself. And then that got me to study graphic design and went to art school and yada, yada, yada. But like writing comics is still something that I really enjoy. And so right now I am working on a series that is tentatively called Super Prism. And it's sort of a what if the Suicide Squad was controlled by a private prison corporation. Because like one of the loose ideas of having the Suicide Squad and like DC stuff is they're a government controlled organization. Ultimately, they're out 
for the good of the people. And if that is no longer a factor, kind of, what does that mean? What sort of depths will they sink to if they're being given the extrajudicial powers that are needed to sort of hold people who might be too dangerous for general populations? What are they going to be able to contain these people? And also, what sort of ways are these people going to be exploited? And kind of how does that tie into a larger global uh, scenario? Wow. Mm-hmm. That sounds really cool. How far are you how far are you along on that project? I've got it pretty well roughed out. I'm working with the artist on uh pages. He's done a great job. Uh Ing is the uh, artist. Like I've got the first page and it's one of those things where it's like this is going to sell people on the book just because of how much stuff is in there. But yeah, I've written most of it out i'm going back through and doing revisions to kind of let flow a bit more to tweak things up where it's needed but i'm hoping to maybe get that done if probably not this year but maybe next year or at least get it to a point where we can present it to publishers i've been working on a uh, project that got canceled last week that was just a hey i'm an artist i'm looking to write something or i'm looking for a writer and I started doing, based on like his loose outline, it was sort of a, what would Cowboy Bebop kind of look like as a American-based series, knowing what we know now as how society kind of reacts. Because so much of our past, like cyberpunk and sci-fi stuff, is tied to the period that it's written. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch uh, Futurama, it's like, oh, they really have no idea that smartphones are coming until smartphones have come. It's not necessarily a future-thinking show as much as it is a commentary on the time that it was written. Right. And so kind of trying to be a bit more forward-thinking with a uh, sci-fi series and kind of like, okay, how do we make a setting that's different? How do we make something that kind of reflects on how I think capitalism could go if things get worse and it was a dark area to dwell until i started kind of thinking about well what society forms outside of that if it is such a broken system what was our working title that kind of got put on indefinite hold the artist was like uh i don't think my skills are at the point where i wanted to be and i'm just like you know what that's fine ideas are cheap that's fair it's happened enough times that i don't let it bother me Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? I just love like a friend's date. It's a like known you're going to get together, see some friends and just do something together. Because like when you get to be an adult, it kind of gets hard, especially if you have people who aren't in your regular group or you all have lives going on, so just having that as a reminder to get together, like maybe in the summer, that'd be my holiday. How would you like it celebrated? June 9th, and it's just a, you should get together with friends, maybe even if you all have to take the day off, and just kind of remind yourself that you all have lives outside of what you're doing, and you should uh, make time for that. Nothing like super structured, nothing like you need to give gifts or anything, but... 
take some time, appreciate the people in your life, and uh, do something you enjoy. Absolutely. That's very uh, well-timed. Do you have any last words, anything you would like, any parting gifts, if you will? Yes. What is your favorite dinosaur, and what is your favorite sandwich? My favorite dinosaur, man. I'm kind of digging, digging the Ankylosaurus just because I like saying Ankylosaurus. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm it's saying got it that wrong. nice tail. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know those existed, and my son's into them right now. So uh, he's into dinosaurs right now. So, you know, Jurassic World, the newest ones on all that stuff. So that's the only reason I even know what that is. Um, and favorite sandwich? Man, I eat a lot of sandwiches. Because if I say something, I'll, I'll come back to this later. Like, man, I should have said this. That's what show notes are for. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I really do like a good ham and cheese. I really like a Reuben. I, I love, I, if I, all things being equal, I love a good Reuben. What about you? Nice. Dinosaur kind of changes. I do like the classic idea of what a Velociraptor is, like those awesome ones in Jurassic Park, but mm-hmm. where we had to kind of be like, oh, no, they're much taller. And I love a good Cuban sandwich. Oh, a Cuban See, <laughs> I could probably have a list in my show notes. Why those questions? One of them is a question from another show that I love called War Rocket Ajax. And uh, that's where the dinosaur one is. And then the sandwich one is just uh, everyone's got opinions on sandwiches. You know what? I'm going to ask this one more question. I don't know if I'll fit it in here or it'll be just extra content. Mm-hmm. Since you're getting married, if you had children, how would you, if you have children, how would you introduce them to tabletop RPGs? Ignore most of the rules, dice rolling and stuff, or just keep that to a minimum and just let them explore and don't box in their thinking. Let them be creative. Mm -hmm. Let them be weird. Let them break Gary's rules. Gary. Thank you, Luke. Thank you very much for your time, man. This is this was great. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Again, thank you once again for joining us, whether it's your first time or this time for the six questions. And if you like the show, tell the world. Jump on your podcast app and leave a five-star review and tell your friends. That's the best way to help us grow the show and more can join the conversation. So, until next time, see you. Hear it, speak it, 